Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Visiting Victor podcast with Victor Dadaj, where you'll hear stories and strategies to help increase your sales and grow your business. Here's your host, Victor Dadaj. All right, welcome to Entrepreneur's Visiting Victor. I'm your host, Victor Dadaj. I hope you're having an amazing day today. Today, we have an awesome guest. She tells brand stories with market appeal. She helps professionals define their brand stories and sell them to the marketplace to guide audience from awareness to customers. And currently, she's building a media empire, one piece of content at a time for people to tell their stories to help others create an appealing life, career, or business. Um, these are some of the things she has published to digital magazines, Appealing and Curb Appeal, hosts a podcast and video channel called Brand Appeal Brand, a storytelling in the digital world, uh, publish a blog called Unpeeled and publish a workbook called Creating Market Appeal. So let's welcome our great guest, Shannon Peel. How are you doing today, Shannon? Doing great, doing great. I definitely do overuse that word, Peel. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very appealing. So uh, it's great. Well, to- the thing is, if when you have a last name that's both a noun and a verb, you can use it in so many different ways. And absolutely. Why not take advantage of it? Yep. I got teased for it growing up. So. <laughs> exactly. So why not monetize it? <laughs> That's right. My poor nephew, he's like, he's got peel in the back of his, his hockey jersey. Kids are asking him what type of peel he is. Is he a banana peel, an apple peel? And he hates the name peel. And I'm like, no, you won't hate the name peel. It's great. <laughs> exactly. So it's great to have you on, uh, Shannon. I'd like to get started with you to please share your story. How did you wind up becoming an entrepreneur? Mm. You know what? It's in my blood. Uh, I um, I took my first uh, foray into entrepreneurism in, in university uh, one summer starting a business. Uh, and, you know, I've had a lot of people around me who have stifled my entrepreneurship because they want safety. They want that paycheck coming into my bank account um, because they fear for themselves, for, for what, you know, thinking that they're going to have to support me or something. So when my life fell apart in my 40s, and when I say it fell apart, it meant that I lost everything I was scared to lose, even my job, and I became unemployable and decided, you know what, I'm going to focus on me, do my thing. My kids were gone. My, you know, I was divorced. All I had was myself. So I jumped in with both feet, and I've been loving every minute of it. Got it. So uh, basically, your first taste was in college, but then there were people kind of staffing away for a variety of reasons. So you kind of moved away from it. But mm-hmm. then in your forties, you you went through all these big changes. You got divorced, your kids were gone, and your life was falling apart. You lost your job, so you needed some sort of income. And I guess you said to yourself, you know what, let me try something different. So I guess that's when you started working as an entrepreneur. So uh, you might pick it up from that place when you're 40s, you know, you're out of work, you're, your life's gone through a big upheaval. You know, you know, talk about that shift at that at that point. Okay, well, you know, I it actually started with a foray into uh, entrepreneurism, uh, owning my own business. We were trying to buy a business and I got ahead of myself and listened to the realtor and thought, you know, the money was coming. So I signed off on the business. And of course, the bank said, no, we're not going to do this. And I lost the $20,000 deposit, which was the start of my uh, foray or my slip into the mud pit of life. You know, my my ex took control of money, took control of everything. 
I lost my voice. I lost uh, the ability to have a choice. And we moved us somewhere. And I, you know, the when you get into this mindset of loss and you start having other people control things and you don't have any control, it comes across in the way you tell your story and in the way that you communicate with the, with other people. And then that affects the way that they see you. So in the process, I just made things worse and worse and worse for myself until I was basically alone, broken. I, you know, uh, my, my depression was really bad. My brain was telling me to download pills, uh, just because that was probably going to be the only thing, you know, I was having hallucinations. I mean, I was in a really bad place, but starting a business, taking the step, taking control of my life and my future and understanding how I was telling my story in interviews, the job interviews that where I wasn't getting the inter job, um, all of that friends that I pushed away dates that just didn't go anywhere. Uh, I was getting treated really badly by a lot of different people that was, which was a result of how I was telling my story. And it was, as I told my story, it triggered fears in other people, which their reaction to me was then I took it personally and it was just a downhill slope. So when I finally figured it all out and said, okay, I'm going to start this business. I mean, it took me probably four years to heal enough to tell my story in a successful way in order to start attracting opportunities. It takes time to heal when you've been broken to that point. So that's kind of where I'm at. And now I, I help other people to tell their story, to figure out how they're telling their story and how the world is seeing how they, you know, it's not, your intent that matters in storytelling. It's the interpretation of the story that you're telling that matters. And when people see what, it, what you're saying to them and they interpret it a certain way, they treat you a certain way, they will present opportunities or not present opportunities. So I help people figure out what message are they really telling the world and how is that affecting their ability to succeed? Mm. No, thanks for sharing that. So basically, it was a tough time. You, you signing up for this business, you were talked into it by a realtor, realtor. And, and then the bank said, no, you wind up losing 20K. Your ex took a lot of the rest. And basically, it was a really tough time. You know, you 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 feel this huge. And basically, what was really effective was your mindset, how you felt about things, how you saw things, how you perceived things, how you interpreted things. And you just saw loss. You just felt so disempowered, weakened. And that came across in the way you talked about yourself. As you said, you shared your story. And that is the way people interpret it. And that's why, I guess, most of the reaction you got from talking to me was negative. People didn't treat you well. Um, and you said it triggered fears in other people. And uh, just things just weren't going well. You weren't attracting good stuff. You weren't attracting opportunities. And this took you four years to heal. And finally, you said you took control of your life and your story, which is very important. And something one of my mentors, Jack Canfield, says, um, he, has, he has a book called The Success Principles. And, and there are 67 principles of success. And the very first one is take 100% responsibility for your life. Because if you mm -hmm. don't, nothing will fall into place. When you do that, you become solution-oriented, you know, solving your problems. When you don't take 100% responsibility, you expect 
outside force, the outside people to take care of you and you never get things done. So am I right? That's one of the things that happened to you. You took full responsibility for your life. You changed how you did things, how you looked at things. You changed how you took care of your story, how you told your story. And because of that, that's one of the reasons why things started turning right. You started attracting opportunities. Would you say that is correct in the way I'm yes. interpreting it? Completely. What you're talking about is you're talking about the difference of whether or not you're casting yourself as the victim of your story or the hero of your story. And I talk a lot about this in the story of women, where we, when we cast ourselves as victims, we expect other people to save us. We expect other people to solve the problems and we don't take responsibility for anything. Now, it's not that you take responsibility for the problem. You, you can, uh, you know, you can see that there's a problem. As a mother, you know, my children did things and those became problems to be solved. They were responsible for the for making that problem. But I took responsibility for helping them find a solution and guide them to that solution. And by doing that, I enabled them to be heroes, to learn how to solve their own problems, how to not be victims in of circumstance because when we're victims of circumstance when we're sitting there saying oh woe is me you know it's their problem it's theirs they have to fix it it's not my job when you hear not my job you have someone who is a, either in viewer villain or victim they're not the hero of that story so you have to decide what you want to be in life now, heroes do not take responsibility for the problem. They take responsibility for the solution. They see a problem and they say, you know what? I'm going to solve that problem. And then they don't give up and they keep trying. It doesn't mean that they succeed. They fall over and over and over again, but they have a support system. They have people on their team to help them find, try a new solution, try a new way to fit to solve it. Right, because when you change the way you look at things, you take action on it. You say you don't take so you put a problem, but for the solution, you get involved, and you know maybe other people getting involved, and you know you got involved for your kids, you help them with their problems, you know, you, you, and um, things work out. So it, it's you give you, you everyone becomes more action oriented, and you, like you say, you got a choice between between being the victim of the story or the hero of the story. And based on what you recommended, you you wind up becoming the hero of the story when you try to do things that way. And you mentioned something also is when you tell your story, what matters is not your intent. It's how people interpret. So you got to be careful how you're saying things because you may not even be aware of it, but you're you're coming across as being very negative or woe is me. And that's not going to attract a lot of people. But if you change the way you tell your story, people are interpreting in a more positive way and they're more likely to reach out to you, work for you, possibly be a client of yours. So you're right. The intent, what matters is what other people interpret it, not necessarily your intent. A lot of times your intention may be good, but if people interpret it differently, it doesn't really matter. So that's yeah. a very good point you mentioned there. So let's talk a little about some of the things you, you talked about. Obviously, you know, like, you know, brand storytelling, personal branding. And um, so a person wants to build a brand. Are there certain platforms that they need to be on? Are there like two or three or four of them that they should definitely be on if they want to be building their brand? Well, okay, so if you're building a brand story for yourself, so if you're building a personal brand story for yourself or your business, um, you're going to want to create content on various platforms, depending on 
where your customers, where your ideal customers hang out. So the first thing you need to figure out is where do your ideal customers hang out? Well, that's after you figured out who your ideal customer is. And we're not talking demographics. We're not talking where, you know, where do they live? How much money do they make? How old are they? What gender are they? We're talking about what are they interested in? What do they value? What's in, what is their day-to-day look like? What motivates them? What problems do they solve? And so that's really what you're looking for. So you're going to figure, try to figure out who your five, like if you already have clients, figure out who your five top clients are. Then analyze them based on where are they hanging out? Where, which social media platforms are they on? Um, ask them questions. What podcasts are they listening to? Which news uh, do they go to? Who's their go-to for news? Have a conversation with them. Sit down and have coffee with them and really get to know them as people because your customers are people first and customers second. So get to know them really well. And once you know them really well, then you can show up where they are and you can tell, you can begin to change your storytelling from being about you to being about your customer. And when you can start telling your audience's stories to them, that's when you can start guiding them through their customer journey and offering them a solution between solution A and solution B, both of which you do, but you're able to then be guiding them. You're able to control their journey to your door. For like when I talked about my kids, when they would get into trouble, uh, you know, they would, and trust me, it was not small. I mean, it was small potatoes. No, it's nothing big. Like my kids were not in jail or anything. <laughs> I mean, but you know, they're coming to some things, but it wasn't about me coming in and saving them from their, their problem. That's making them a victim. And then I'm coming in as the hero and saving them. No, a brand storyteller comes in, asks questions, figures out what they want and asks them questions and allows them to to evolve that story and that narrative to find the solutions that they want. And if you can do that with your brand storytelling, you're going to end up with customers, the right customers, choosing your option because they want it what you have because they have made that decision themselves along their journey yeah no i like that last part uh well you know you talk about you got to find out first who are your ideal customers where do they hang out and you talk about ask some questions get to know them as people first and customers second unfortunately a lot of them a lot of people, they try to look at them solely as customers first and forget about the fact that they're people second. And uh, people can tell that. And when they say, you know, look at them, you don't look at them as a person, uh, they subconsciously get turned off by it, by it. So you definitely have to look at them as people first. And you talk about, you don't save them from the problem, but you guide it. You ask them questions. And by asking them questions, you have them come up with the answers. Because if you tell them the answers, they may or may not go for it, but when they actually come up with the answer themselves based on the question you tell them, they're like, it's a perfect fit. They like it, and they like you more. They trust you, and they're going to want to work for you more, and, 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 and they love it because they came up with the answer, so they weren't told because you know people don't like being told what to do, but when you guide them to, for them to come up with the solution themselves, they're very happy about it. So I think that is a brilliant way of handling things. Ask them questions, guide them along the way, and then have them come up with the solution. They need to can work something out. 
I definitely think, uh, go ahead. It also enables you to qualify. You're allowing your audience to self-qualify for your content. So if you're asking them if they have a problem or you're asking them a question at the beginning, they then figure out, okay, do I want to read this piece of content? Do I want to watch this piece of content? Is this going to be interesting to me? And if it's not, then they go on to the next piece. But the people that are interested are going to consume it, are going to go further into that story. And when they do, you're going to be there. That makes a lot of sense about qualifying them. Yeah, definitely agree with you on that. Um, let's also talk about, you know, as we're talking about more about branding, you know, you know, some people wonder, should I brand myself? Should I get a personal brand? You know, talk about it. You know, why is personal branding uh, important for, for a lot of people? You already have a brand. Everybody has a brand. We call, in my day when I was in high school, we called it your reputation. It was your reputation. You either had a rep for being the mean girl or the uh, snob or the, you know, the one that, you know, the party girl. There, there's all sorts. There's bad reps and there was good reps. That was your brand. It was what other people were talking about. It was what other people were saying about you. And that was your brand. In today's world, you get a place at that table. This is what's so exciting about personal branding now. Because in the past, your reputation was what other people said about you. It was gossip. It was rumor. It was whatever the mean girl down the street was saying. You weren't at the table. Today, you are at the table. You are narrating what your brand, what your reputation is. And allowing the right people to come in because we have access to so many more people. You're also enabling yourself to bring people to you, your your cheerleaders, your the people who like you to come up and back you up. So you're coming to that mean girl table with a posse behind you saying, you may say that, but guess what? These people back here, they all say I'm wonderful. So ha, on you. But you have to have that personal brand already written. You have to be part of the story. You have to be narrating it. And that's where it's important to understand, first of all, what is it that you want to be known for? If you don't know what you want to be known for, neither will anyone else. And that's when those rumors and that gossip start taking over and all of a sudden you are labeled with a label that you don't want. So figure out what it is that you want to be known for and then get known for it by behaving and speaking and staying on topic and really narrowing that message down, putting on that mask every day. This is what I want to be known for. This is what people associate that type of person as having. I mean, we talk about being authentic, right? We talk about, oh, we want to be authentic, be the person that shows up. That's great, but you still have to show up in the genre, in the expectations of the audience. The audience still has expectations about what a business person looks like and acts like, what a hero behaves like, what a victim behaves like. We have these things because we have stories and we watch stories, we watch the news, we watch TV, we watch movies, we read books, we listen to audiobooks. I can I can tell you as a Canadian, uh, you know, if I watch too much 
CSI or NCIS or some other cop show, I have the impression of Americans, American streets being always having a gun fight. Because that's a story that I'm, I'm being told. Of course, you go down there and, you know, there aren't uh, gunfights on every street every day. Um, but it can, if you, if that's all you watch, that becomes your perception. And perception is very important. So you have to figure out what the perception is of your audience for that genre, that brand. And then you have to show up that way. In but be authentic at the same time. It's it is a balancing act. It is a tightrope walk, and it means that you have to know yourself first. Yeah, definitely know yourself first. Yeah, you know, I never thought about that. Yeah, in high school, your reputation was your brand, and um, yeah, everyone has a brand, and it's really what people think of you, what they say about you. And back then, you really didn't have a place at the table. But nowadays, you definitely get a place at the table. You have a a big saying, your brand and reputation, like you said, if you have these people supporting you. So if someone says something about you, you said, that's okay. Look at all these people behind me. They're saying, I am awesome. So who cares what you think? And, uh, and you have to think about what do you want to be known for and figure out the perception of the audience for that genre you're working in and as well try to find a way to balance it up by being authentic. Authentic. So definitely some really good stuff there, Shannon. Um, now, um, so I guess that would... now. As you're, you know, trying to come up with these ideas, you know, you're trying to construct the story and engage with the people. How do you come up with some of these ideas, you know, um, or for your brand? Is 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 there some of what you said a part of that for coming up with ideas? Are there other things you can do to come up with ideas for your brand? Well, when you start with your brand, you should understand your brand well enough that you have keywords that you want to talk about. And you can go out and search those keywords, see what your customer or your customers are saying about those keywords, see what your competition is saying about those keywords and come up with those stories. You know, it's not hard for me to come up with stories. It's not hard for me to see what the story is because my it's just the way my brain works. But if you start with your values first, so if you know what your core values are, your true core values, and a lot of times miscommunication happens because we... in have different definitions for the same word right especially if you're a native english speaker we don't learn english by reading the dictionary so what our interpretation of a word is has a lot to do with our experiences our perception and where we where we've used that word within our own environment and our own bubbles now, for example, let's say you want to say that integrity is your core value. Great. But if I think that integrity means that you show up on time for every meeting and you can't show up on time, but you do what you say you're going to do, except for you can't show up on time, there's going to be a disconnect between what I think integrity looks like and what you think integrity looks like. So make sure that you understand those things. And then when you're talking about integrity, then you can talk about integrity. What does it look like? Who in the world has integrity? Why do you think that they have integrity? And you start asking yourselves who, what, where, when, why, and how, you can find questions or answer or stories by asking yourself these questions. And in the answer, you create these stories. Now on social media, uh, you know, you only need about 250 words and a graphic and maybe a video. 
it it's not like you're writing a novel. You don't have to write a novel about integrity. It's these are sound bites. Your brand story is sound bites. And if you can just stay within the your essence of your brand, you'll be okay. But it's about finding those stories, win the news. Oh, this per and you talk about that, you know, like, oh, this politician had integrity. This, I don't know if that's actually a, a, a real thing, but man, if you can find a politician that has integrity, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> that's a story in itself, but that's what it's about. That's what journal that's how journalists look at the world. You have to start looking at the world as a journalist. And you are talking about the things that have to do with your brand. Find five words. Seek out those words. Seek out stories about those words. Go use Google. I mean, the amount of ways that you can find stories nowadays is humongous. That's true. And Google is definitely a great resource to look up things. And uh, I like that. Start with your core values. And you're right. We often have different definitions for the same word. And Use the great examples of, of integrity. You say for one person, integrity is always being on time, but for another person, it could be like, okay, they may not always be on time, but they always do what they say they will do. And there could be a disconnect between the two of you. The second person always does what they say they will do, but the first person says, the person sometimes comes 10 minutes late. This person doesn't have integrity and there's a disconnect there. So definitely, uh, you know, yeah, you, you know, it's, it's really how you interpret how you view it. And, and I like that. Look at things as a journalist. So. I think that's a really great idea. Now, as we're coming toward the end of our interview, are there any last minute pieces of advice you'd like to share with our audience? You know, there's so much to creating a brand, but the big thing that you have to remember is your brand is not a logo or a website. Those are the clothes that your brand wears. Your brand is an entity onto its own. And once you can really understand who your brand is, then you can start telling that brand's personal brand story. I like that. Uh, it's not your brand. It's not the logo, the website. That's just like the clothing of the brand. Uh, once you realize that your brand's really an entity unto its own, I really like that. It's something very good to remember. Uh, listen, Shan, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you on. You share a lot of great tips, a lot of, a lot of good golden nuggets. And if people want to get in touch with you, Shannon, what is the best way for them to contact you? Go to marketappeal.com. And if you want to get the book, uh, you know, um, talk with, uh, you can go to marketappeal.com slash brand appeal. And there's tons more about brand appeal, but there's so much there for you to learn about how to tell your story to the marketplace to guide them from brand awareness to brand advocacy. Awesome. Thanks again, Shannon. Really appreciate it. Have yourself a great day. You too. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, please smash that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our amazing episodes. Please also leave a five-star rating review and have an awesome day.